Welcome to This is 40. I'm Reds, and I turned 40 recently, as did my co-host and friend, Alexia. We're actually both entrepreneurs living in Paris, and we were a little overwhelmed with it all, to be honest. We thought, what if we could tap into the wisdom, the humor, the fears, the resilience, and the beauty of all of the 40-year-olds we knew? Wouldn't that be something? And that's how This Is 40 was born. A show where we talk to some of the most fun, brilliant, resilient, creative people in our everyday lives who made a decisive change in their way of living, thinking, and being in the world, for the better mostly, as they hit their 40th. Hey, I'm Alexia. And I'm Rens, and we're your hosts. Join us in listening to our guests as they open up their hearts and share their experience of turning 40 and the gifts it brought them. And we ask you, what is 40 to you? Hello everyone and welcome to This is 40. Um, in today's episode, we have a very interesting guest. Um, and the reason why I think he's interesting, well, you know what? I'm actually just gonna tell you a story about him and I'm gonna let you see why we think he's really interesting and why his story of turning 40 and the challenges and the decisions he made are really something that are universal, but also very unique. Um, a really exciting guest. So here we go, ready? Okay, there was once a guy who managed a cabaret in Paris. That's right, a cabaret. He then got on a sailboat and then he went off to be an advisor to the government, a communications director, and a spin doctor. I actually think he might be a spy. Wink, wink. Don't say that aloud. His life reads like a Bond movie, right? And then stuck with shivering with malaria in a dispensary in Equatorial Guinea, he realized he needed to change the trajectory of his life to come back home. But where is home when you literally have lived out of a suitcase all of these years all around the world? Well, in his 40s, while in the Middle East, his mom passed away, unfortunately, back home in France. And Seb couldn't make it back in time. And that slapped him full in the face because he realized then that he was definitely going to want to move back to find a place that he could call home give up his life of living of his, out of his suitcase and maybe change things a little, including starting a family of his own. Living the, the life of an international man of mystery was not going to work out so well after a while, right? So true to his word, Seb is back in Europe. He lives in Spain and is now a full-time stay-at-home dad to two little kids under the age of seven. Seb is a licensed yacht master and a seaman, and he sails as much as he can. I actually wonder if when he says home, he's even talking about being on land at all. He's a freelance writer for trade publications, for NGOs, private companies, and a freelance consultant in strategic intelligence, helping companies with investments in emerging and frontier markets. He's also a small business owner for B&Bs and Iberico Ham Tasting in Malaga, Spain. Definitely go and see him. We'll link to the show notes. He promises a great party. And I think you would love the Iberico Ham if you haven't already have it. 
you know, here's what Seb says about sailing, and that really sold me. He says that sailing is the allegory of life and the epitome of how it should be lived. When you are out to sea, out of traffic lanes, you feel infinite freedom, as you can literally do whatever you want, and no one is there to see you, while sensing full and unavoidable responsibility as you will have to face the consequences of your actions on your own. If you're on a long passage or you're racing offshore, you don't get to choose the weather when the winds and the tides will both align towards your destination. Instead, you've got to do with what you have, with the elements, your boat, and your crew. It's just like life, right? Like, you don't get to choose. You've just got to make the best of what you have and make it a good story in the end. Life at sea is non-linear. It rarely goes according to plan, and you are mostly in for some adventures with the random, fortuitous, and unexpected. Today, Seb talks about the 40s and how turning 40 brings on a reckoning that causes you to find a way to create a home, to be at peace with yourself, to take over as primary caregiver to two small children and the joy that brings. I love the part when he says that his new job is raising my kids and seeing them grow. That's a commitment, right? Well, here we go. Thank you for joining and happy listening to Seb Delas Neri. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. But here we go. To Seb Delas Neri. And if you, just before I hand you off to Seb, I just want to say, if you haven't signed up or you haven't subscribed to our episodes, go for it. Please do. We've got amazing guests coming up. Share with a friend. Don't be selfish. Um, Spread the love. Come and join the party on Facebook or on Instagram. And check out our show notes where we'll include some of Seb's tips on sailing and some of Seb's tips on life. They're amazing. Happy listening. Hi, Sebastian. Welcome to This is 40. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for receiving me. Ah, it's always a pleasure to, uh, to have people like you on the show, I must say. But I just have a question for you. Are you in Malaga right now? Are you on your boat or where, where are you? Yeah, Make us dream a little bit. I am land stranded uh, right now. So I'm still on land. I'm in south of Spain. Uh, fighting the heat and uh, hopefully going back up north and, and the North Sea soon. <laughs> I see. Well, just to give some context to our listeners, you and I, we've been friends for years. I've known you in your studies. Well, our studies, really. We were both <laughs> living in Abu Dhabi at the time. Don't laugh. I'm much younger than you are, but we do belong to the same decade. But anyway, we, 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 were, we were in Abu Dhabi at the time, and I still remember we met, I think it was 2008, at this dashing party at the Emirates Palace, and it's a party that you actually put together. Um, back then, you were, I don't know what you were doing back then, you were like a steam <laughs> doctor working for the government, I don't know, you had like this uh, absolutely, insane uh, job, crazy career. We were, uh, I was organizing an investment forum uh, in Abu Dhabi for the Department of Economic Development, which was mostly populated by men in their 50s wearing gray suits. And you did stand out a lot uh, in that bunch. Not being a man in my 50s, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where's your mustache? You did not know me at that time. 
time or it you didn't but i did belong to the student world yeah for sure you you had no kids at the time you and your girlfriend anna you were toying with the idea of getting married i remember you had this incredibly glamorous life flying to beirut to you were going to turkey you were going to all these fantastic destinations for the weekend you had friends in every single countries in the world and wow i was just this, this this is the dream and i'm loving this because now you guys are married you've got your kids you're raising them in malaga you're basically a stay-home dad with many many rather successful businesses that you run from home and i'm like wow how did that happen in 10 years so how did that happen tell us uh, it took a while but i did go from international man of mystery to stay at home dad uh, <laughs> in a very quick manner uh, and the good thing is i i don't miss any of it and i'm i'm quite happy i'm quite happy with it um it was it was a, a long time in the making uh, i guess um i had a very I spent most of my I spent my late 20s working in a cabaret in Paris then I spent most of my 30s between Beirut, Manila, Belgrade, London and Dubai uh, respectable by day uh, and party central by night uh, <laughs> but eventually some events brought me back to a to a more um, I would say more more quiet life uh, I think the first one was my my bout with with malaria in my mid 30s. I was alone uh, in the dispensary of of Malabo uh, in Equatorial Guinea uh, receiving treatment with malaria. malaria. Yeah. yeah, on my own for 48 oh hours. Oh my god. That sounds like uh, something from out of Africa. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was at the time I wanted to be uh, you know a modern uh, Kessel Hemingway or Montfred traveling the world and telling crazy stories and those 48 hours with uh, with a pain in my in my body and having an IV uh, of anti malaria kind of tempered uh, this plan so that's when I decided to go for a more quiet life uh, and work in government in, in communications and that's how we met uh, in Abu Dhabi I was working for for the local government um and then shortly after when i hit my my 40s uh, my mother died after a very short battle with cancer uh while i was uh, in the middle east uh, so while dealing with a loss it, it it led to an introspection uh of what i really wanted to to do with my life and where i wanted to be as well because i had been following my work uh, for the last two decades i remember that time That's i remember amazing. you were yeah and and you were and I completely we all understood it completely you were extremely upset because you couldn't be there with your mom it just happened all of a sudden i remember you being really shaken to the core and after having those lengthy conversations about what this was about and what we were spending our time doing and and you really did go into that introspection and you really actually found answers um I, I guess I found answers to to my own uh, issues and, and, and shortcomings at the time. Yeah, go, going back, going back there on a short notice was a nightmare because there was no direct flights. We had to go through Italy and London, and it 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 made me realize um, well how, how far you are, you know, and while you are. 
while you are trying to or living your life, uh, other things happen uh, on the other side. It's John Lennon, you know, who said life is what happens uh, while you're doing other things. While you're making other plans. Exactly. Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Life is what happens while you're making other plans. So it made me, it made me rethink and, and, and make a reset uh, on my life, for sure. And now I hear that, you know, from Alexia, that you are a stay-at-home dad. But I also hear that you're a sailor and that you've been sailing and you're happiest out at sea. And this is, is this just a hobby? Is this something that you do one-off or is it something you take quite seriously and you compete? Uh, it's, it's something that has been in my life or for most of it. I'm actually a, a licensed uh, yacht master. I started a long time ago, um, mostly cruising, uh, coastal cruising with, with my parents. Um, then I started going on to sailing adventures with my friends. Um, and they were very adventurous because my friends were not very good sailors, but they were extremely keen pirates. Uh, meaning they really wanted to go <laughs> to unexplored spaces while drinking copious amount of rum, uh, which is, as we all know, a terrible recipe for disaster. So we had a lot of adventure then. Um, and then I moved into offshore racing, um, to spending several days uh, at sea, uh, racing, uh, fully crewed, uh, double-handed and uh, solo-handed. So that was one of the new things you're starting to explore as you were changing your priorities while still living in Abu Dhabi. Um, started spending more time sailing, more time. Uh, what was, that? was that a way for you to make space for introspection? Was, was that a way of being by yourself with your own yeah, sailing? Part of it. Uh, part of it was all was... I mean, the biggest part was definitely to, to disconnect from... Uh, an increasingly connected world because when you're out to sea, uh, well, nobody can actually reach you. So you have all the time uh, to think, you have a lot of time on your hands and you can think about your life and other things or spend quality time with people that you chose. Uh, all the while looking at birds fishing in the waves, uh, crests of the waves coming down. So it's a, it's a, it's a very good place for introspection uh, and thinking, definitely. And what about the birth of your kids? Um, I was saying at the beginning of the show that when I first met you and Anna, you guys were playing or toying with the idea of getting married one day. And, and then it just seemed that it, you guys have like two kids super fast. And then the changes happened around that as well, super fast. You relocated, you changed careers. Um, what, was that a a factor like was that a big factor or am i just imagining this no no i think i think it was definitely a a, a defining factor in, in the change of life it actually came into uh it collided with my, with my sailing life uh, because uh every odd years uh, you have a famous offshore race which is called the fastnet uh which i wanted to enter uh, which is happening in the beginning of August. I was planning to do the first Fastnet uh, in 2013, and my kid was born on the 29th of July. So there was a big no-no on the part uh, of my wife. Uh, and the second kid arrived two years <laughs> later, just before, and I had to tell her, look, you know, I, I know 
I know it's not very nice for me, but I think after two kids, I'm not going to be able maybe to, to do that anymore. So I really, I really have to go. Uh, so I was not very keen about, you know, fatherhood because it, it, it was really colliding with other plans. Uh, but it, it changed my life in more ways than I could, uh, than I could imagine, definitely. And, and, and I, found, um, I found the time spent with them so much more valuable than the time I spent with, with other people at work. So it, it made me rethink uh, what, what I was doing with my, with my time. Uh, but also at the time, we had been in the UAE for eight years. I had been traveling for work and following my work abroad for the best part of 20 or 25 years. And it was really the right moment to, to make a change because if you're staying in those countries, then there is no way you can come back. You, you get used to the lifestyle. You get used to the perks, uh, flying into uh, very nice places for the weekend and the nice hotels. And after a while, you cannot go back to a normal life. So it, it, it was really the now or never when it happened. Yeah. And, and now that you're living the life of a, of a, I don't know, is it the life of a desperate house dad that you're living? I don't think so, right? Well, because you, you seem to have, you have so many passions. And actually, I'll tell you that one thing I absolutely adore and respect so much about you is that you do so many things. You do raise your kids. You have started a business around Ham. You've made Malaga your home, but you've also um, invested heavily in, in Malaga. You, you're a writer, you're a freelance writer. Everything that you do is something that you're passionate about. And I don't know many people who manage to do that. Um, um, so I just wanted to, I'm not sure I ever told you that. So I thought it'd be good to put it in a, yeah, on an you. open podcast. <laughs> Oh, don't, don't worry about us listeners. We're all fine. No, I'm all, I'm all rosy. Uh, well, you, you do. They call, me, they call me the French husband uh, in Malaga. So, so. Why? What is the French husband? You have to ask them. But uh, my, my, <laughs> my wife is Spanish. So when they, when they talk about me, they say, oh, the French husband is again traveling or doing those things. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very different life. Um, but I kind of, I kind of embrace it. Uh, I think I have come to, I have come to a limit uh, into into what I was doing, and and after a while, with the age, you you don't care so much about the image that you are uh, reflecting to other people, and you start living your life uh, by your own rules. You start writing your own rule book and decide that this is going to happen for you whatever the whatever the outcome is at least at least you try it rather than staying in staying a job that is is just a job really yeah well i mean i guess coming back to like your questions about parenting right like when you say that story about how the race was something you just didn't want to miss because you had small kids but then you now stay at home with your kids and you homeschool them right right through the COVID lockdown. That just seems like two very different people, but it's actually the same man. Were you raised by, like, was your dad a stay-at-home dad? Was that something you learned from your parents? How did you get there? Not, not really. I, th I think the main difference uh, 
between between my parents and I is that they were uh, younger parents. Uh, my dad was in his late twenties. My mother went tw- was twenty one. Uh, they were working towards successful careers, are entrepreneurs. My dad was CEO of several companies. And evidently, you know, this is taking uh, a lot of your time. And we didn't see, my brother and I didn't see much of our parents in the first 10 years of our life. And ever since, I've been hearing my parents and friends of mine were telling me that some of their big regrets uh, was not uh, making most of the early years of their children. And mostly, you know, spending time with them before they, they become ungrateful little teen brats uh, who find you very... And move unfamiliar. abroad. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I thought that so many people I respected couldn't, couldn't be wrong. And, and I decided to, to try. And, and I found it extremely rewarding, I have to say. Um, and then when they become ungrateful little brats, I can go back to, uh, to other stuff, uh, waiting for them to find me cool again. I feel like you have a strategy around all of this. <laughs> and they're little too, right? Like they're, how old are yeah, your kids? They're, they're, they're five and seven. So they're, they're... Yeah, that's the age that mine are. They're pretty full on. And you, you would say that you're doing about 80% of the childcare plus trying to manage and hold down several jobs. That's, you know, for everyone who went through COVID, I feel like that brought this up like right up front because only it's the teachers who deal with them and you know they're off in the morning they're back in the evening and now all of the parents are like wow i have to teach my child but i also have to work yes and i have to try and be a good partner and i have to try and be a good human and i can't do any of this stuff yeah, yeah. covid brought a lot on all of our shoulders trying to fill many 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 roles at its time uh, you know, Maurice, it actually reminds me of that interview we had with Mark a couple of weeks ago. And he was just saying that, that he was, and it, this is a guy who works at Google, and he was saying it's just impossible to be the best father you can be, the best husband you can be, and the best employee that you can be. You just can't reconcile all three things. And yeah, yeah, it might not be nice to hear, but it's definitely no, true. No, it's definitely true. It's definitely true. And, and, and you do have to decide what you're going to be. I mean, and I think this is the thing with the 40s. We're all struggling with the work-life balance uh, because we have, to, we, have to, well, we have to take care of our marriage for the ones who are married. We have to take care for the kids, for the ones who have kids. We have to take uh, more care about our aging parents. And we still have a few years to do most of our career uh, before we hit 50. And there is just no time to do it all well. And along the road, you have to to make some decisions, I guess. And uh, and I was at a time where my professional life was not fulfilling me that much. I had followed my work for 25 years. I literally found a job anywhere in the world and signed up for it because I loved the work. Uh, which meant putting a lot of my private life on the back burner, especially back at home. Uh, and then at a point, I decided that would no longer be the case and I would choose a place. Uh, well, I, I chose my, my wife's birthplace. So I'm not sure I had a lot of choice in there. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, I decided to construct my life uh, around the 
around the place I chose rather than the other way around. Yeah, and give your children roots, actually, something that you might not have had, geographical roots. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There is a Lebanese saying, I'm not sure it's a Lebanese saying, uh, that says uh, you can only give two things to your kids, uh, roots or wings, and it cannot be both of them. So you have to, you have to make a choice on that. Oh, that's hard. So I guess we're coming up to the question and the big one that we ask everyone on the show. So Seb, what is 40 to you? I feel like it's going to be a hard one because you've got so many facets to your personality and you've, you know, evolved several times as a person. And right now in your role as like a parent with like a whole new set of, you know, um, like corporate or non-corporate adventures that you're in. What is 40 to you? Uh, it is. It is. A, it is a good question. Forty. Forty is a few things. Um, it's when you realize you're not invincible anymore. Uh, when you want to do more things that you like to do and spend more time with with the people you like. Uh, but especially, I think it's when you start living for yourself uh, and write your own book. Uh, because at the end, you might hit the wall, but at least it's your wall. I like that. I like that. And actually, speaking of writing your own book, <laughs> that I've heard through the grapevine that you were writing your own book, really. So not just uh, saying that you might do it one day, but you actually started doing that. Yes. I, Is that right? I have a good friend who I met in Abu Dhabi who inspired me to write a book because I've been toying with the idea for so many years. And then in less than a year... Um, <laughs> you, Alexa, brought the book out from nothing, and I was like, "Okay, so I'm, I might start to to get on it myself." Um, yes, I think I think my life as a, as a journalist or a communication um, director, uh, and as well as a communication consultant, had in common the storytelling. Um, and I feel that I might as well start working on my stories. And I'm working on a book called Why We're Sailing, uh, which is explaining why so many of us spend so much time at sea. There was a Greek guy who said sometimes there are three types of people in the world. Uh, the one who are on land, no, the one, sorry, the one who are alive, the ones who are dead, and the ones who are at sea. So I thought it was, it was a nice way to explore this and share it uh, with my friends and beyond. Yeah, and again, a nice way to combine your, your passions. Uh, and I can attest to the fact that you're a fantastic writer because besides the fact that it's one of your jobs, uh, <laughs> I've actually had the pleasure to have you to do the preface of my book. So for the ones who can read French, then you'll be able to see it soon. For the others, sorry about that. <laughs> it's all in French, <laughs> but that's, that's really, and is the book, is it going to be published? Is that your goal? Uh, or are you writing it for, for your kids, for your friends, for yourself? No, the goal, the goal is really to publish it. But before I do that, I need to invent a little bit more on the content than before I meet publishers. Uh, but hopefully it could be, uh, it could be in, in some people's sock for Christmas. Save your sock. Oh, it sounds super <laughs> exciting. <laughs> So speaking of that, Seb, where can, um, our last question before we wrap up is mm -hmm. where can people find you? And then do you have a giveaway for our audience? Like something that, you know, can lead them along this amazing path that you followed, your love for sailing, your love for different countries, your knowledge. 
Well, I'm I'm really. People find you. I'm really well. They can they can find me out to sea most of the time. Uh, I was just gonna say, I can't at sea. Get yourself a compass. You'll find it. If everything goes right, people won't be able to find me. Uh, However, when I'm on land, I'm uh, I'm mostly in Malaga. We've invested in in a few properties, uh, doing uh, some Airbnbs. Uh, down in the south of Spain um, and uh, people could reach us on uh, malagapads.com uh, hopefully stay with okay, us we'll link to all of that in our show notes anyway absolutely and then and then we can share stories while uh, while drinking some Spanish wines and eating some Iberico ham oh, that sounds amazing I feel like we need to get there now anytime <laughs> It is amazing. We've been lucky to have been there a couple of times over the past few years, and it's just memorable every time. It's, so those guys, oh, they're fantastic. fantastic hosts. It's, they're it's fantastic a very good place. I mean, I mean, COVID permitting, you know, um, you're you're obviously both uh, welcome here anytime. Oh, that's so generous of you. And what do you have? You have something for our audience to read. Is that or some way you want to guide them to learn about sailing? What did you, what did you have in mind as a giveaway? Um, I don't know. Right now, it's not finished, uh, but I'm thinking of doing a few podcasts and uh, sending it up uh, to your audience or linking it up with you guys uh, so that they could uh, have the content in both French uh, and English. And see why so many people spend so much time out there. Lisette, this was amazing. Thank you so much no. for staying on land long <laughs> enough for us to interview you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It's been it's been a real pleasure. I, I, I've been listening to to the first two episodes uh, of the podcast, and it, and it has been uh, a really strong influence um, on me to listen other people choosing to change direction uh, in their career uh, with totally different backgrounds, totally different reasons. Uh, but, but this is it. At the end, you have to choose your own wall uh, and see if you're going through it or if you're going into it. But I, I find that extremely, um, extremely endearing, for sure. Oh, you do us such a great honor by, by listening to it and then by giving us this like amazing feedback and coming from someone who's a journalist and a communication expert we're very humbled thank you my pleasure what an amazing interview right like don't you feel like now you'd like to go sailing and discover the world but on the water i feel like the best part for me was when seb compares being on the ocean and sailing to life like Anything can happen, but it's all beautiful. I'm so glad Seb was able to make it, and I'm so glad you were able to join us too. And if you haven't downloaded or listened to the other episodes, please go ahead. There's something in it for everyone. In every episode, people have come back to us and said there was, you know, something that the interview we said resounded with them. And you know what else? If you're a good friend, share this. Share this with your other friends, whether they're 40 yet or they've crossed 40. These are sort of universal themes that resound with everyone. Um, And if you're not part of our Facebook community, come and see us on Facebook. It's This Is 40 Podcast on Facebook or on Insta or and on Insta at this underscore is underscore 40 underscore podcast. 
um, on Insta. We'd, I hope I'll see you in one of those two places. Come and join the party. We'd love to have you. We'd love to hear what you think. Don't forget to give us that amazing Apple Podcast recommendation. We'd love that. And that's so important for someone just like yourself, you know, who's looking for something interesting to hear and will listen to something that comes out of the community or something that someone their age recommends. So I'd love if you could just give us a sweet little note there. That would be amazing. Um, but otherwise, I think that's it from us this week. We'll have something special for you next Thursday. Don't forget to tune in. Bye.